Hey, everybody, this is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show six. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. Hey, everyone, it's Josh Dorkin with BiggerPockets.com here with show six. I've got my co-host with me, Mr. Brandon Turner. What's up, Brandon? Hey, not much, Josh. I don't know if you just heard that, but that was my cat meowing in the background saying hello as well. I can hear something meowing. Yeah. I hope it's your cat. That is. <laughs> well, we got a great show, man. This is uh, this is going to be an exciting, exciting episode ahead. Uh, we've got Arthur Garcia with us, who uh, who's a, he's a he's a sharp guy. He's he's a, he's not only a sharp guy, but um, I think we're going to have some fun fun to come. Yeah, Arthur's uh, Arthur's actually one of the reasons I became a bigger pockets blogger originally, actually. Because uh, Arthur reached out to me and uh, uh, actually called me on the phone. We talked for a while, and he's kind of got me connected with you. And so I actually owe a lot of my uh, uh, bigger pockets connection to Arthur. So I am extremely excited to have him on the show today. I was not aware of that, so I guess I'm excited as well. Um, let's talk a little bit about Arthur. Arthur is a successful buy and hold investor in Southern California um, who invests while working a full time job. Um, and he's working towards, I believe he's working towards purchasing 25 to 30 homes uh, during this down cycle. We'll get into it later. Um, but he's really savvy. Again, he's a witty guy. And I, I think we're, he's, he's definitely going to blow some of our minds with uh, um, his, his intelligence. So I'm, I'm super pumped. Um, but before we get to Arthur, I just want to talk about the show in general. Um, as you know, this, uh, this is show six. And our, our five previous shows, we're up to 25,000 listens so far, Brandon. 25K. That is awesome. Yeah. Did you, did you think our little, uh, little show would, would become the beast that it's become? I didn't. And honestly, I don't, I don't know if you remember this, but back in the summer, I told you, um, you know, when we talked about having a, a podcast, I said what I would love to have is within one year's time, you know, to be a, a top 20 business podcast. And, uh, you know, I think our, what, first or second week, we hit that. I mean, I thought it would take a year, and so this has been uh, incredible, you know, already. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I want to thank everybody who who's listened so far, um, and and especially those people who have taken the time to leave us reviews on iTunes. Uh, ninety nine of you guys have done that. Uh, that's ninety nine of twenty five thousand. So you know, hint hint. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but. Uh, Listen, uh, thanks to everybody who has left a review. If you haven't, please jump on iTunes and leave us one. Uh, it's, it's really helpful. Helps get the show in front of a lot more people, so uh, definitely do it. But enough of that. It's time to get to the show. Um, and we're going to talk about what, Brandon? We are going to talk about buying and holding with Arthur. Buying and holding and uh, doing so while you're working a full-time job. Correct, because uh, you know a lot of people that come to Bigger Pockets, uh, they don't have... Uh, they're not job free, you know. They're they're held down by a job, and and they see a lot of investors, you know. Like, you know, I talk about I don't have a, you know, I'm gonna read. You don't that. have a job? Is that what you were gonna? I say? was gonna because, say that, but I because do. you got one now. I know I can't say I that. I think anymore. I think you do. <laughs> <laughs> dude, dude, are, are you still working for? Did you just quit, Brandon? <laughs> <laughs> I just quit. All right, let me let me re say that. Um, no, I think we should run with that. Okay, we can run with that. No, it's gonna sound <laughs> stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Where should we take it from? Um, you just said, "Isn't that right, Brandon?" Isn't that right, Brandon? Isn't that right, Brandon? Isn't that right, Brandon? Keep going. <laughs> yeah, that's true, Josh. Because you know, a lot of people come to Bigger Pockets and they have jobs, and they see a lot of the investors on there who are job free, and they say, "Oh, you know, it'd be nice to have that." But I don't think the people that are investing with a job. Uh, I don't think they get enough uh, attention. And so I'm really excited today uh, to talk to somebody who's got a full-time job uh, and is a full-time investor. I mean, that's, that's not easy to do to, to manage both. So I'm, I'm looking forward to our discussion. Cool, man. Well, let's, uh, let's get to it. Passive income without the property headache, it's possible. 
There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes, and there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day. 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Hey Arthur, what's going on, man? Hey Josh and Brandon, good to be on, man. Thanks for having me on. That's a pleasure. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. Yes, yes, yes. Hey man, so, you know, real really quickly, I just want to let everybody know. I I'm I'm super pumped about this. First of all, because when uh, when I needed a hand uh, on the uh, 2012 Bigger Pockets conference, Arthur Garcia basically raised his hand and said, "Yes, let me help you out. I'll do whatever I can to make sure this thing's successful." And he did. He was amazing. Uh, he was our uh, event coordinator and uh, really did an amazing job. So, Arthur, I just want to thank you uh, live on the air here uh, for all to hear. And uh, anyway, with with that in mind, you are a uh, you're a real estate investor who is doing your thing while working a full time job, and I think that's something that appeals to a lot of people. Uh, so, why don't you tell us, I guess, how you got started, why you got into real estate, what made you decide to uh, start and getting uh, start getting into the, the the field? Yeah, no, um, definitely. I guess I'm I'm probably your typical bigger pockets. Uh, guy, you know, the one who has the day job working for the man. And uh, at night and when I have free time on the weekends, I'm uh, looking at ugly houses when I have a chance. So uh, yeah, that's a little bit about, you know, what I do. It's more buy and hold and uh, keep my day job until I can maybe figure out a transition plan down the road or uh, something else. So we won't tell your bosses that, that are listening to the show that you're eventually planning to quit your job. Arthur, that's not my name. That's not <laughs> my name. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, 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 it's really interesting because, you know, working in corporate America, I, I learned this when I got right out of college. You're only as good as, 
as well as you perform, right? So I've always had that fear in the back of my mind that, you know, one day I'm just not going to be able to perform. And uh, if something happened to me or if I got sick, I just didn't like being on that payroll situation where you don't have another backup plan. So um, in college, I went, I was kind of fortunate. I went to a private school where a lot of the folks that I was peers with came from pretty wealthy backgrounds. Of course, me, you know, I, I showed up with my sandals and, uh, you know, taped the uh, shoes and all that. But no, <laughs> everybody around me was, was pretty well to do. And uh, it was great because those four years really taught me a lot about, you know, people coming from different backgrounds. You start to see similar patterns. And one of the things that all these guys had in common, or a lot of them did, was they owned multiple, multiple properties. So one of my roommates that I can think of now, great guy, but his family owned, I think, like 20 different properties. And, you know, just talking to him over the years, I got to learn a little bit about the way that he viewed money, the way that he viewed wealth. And um, the only way to really get any type of wealth other than just, you know, you can't save your way to making a decent amount of money in your retirement. You, you really have to find a vehicle that's going to work well for you. And real estate, you know, of all the different via, uh, investment vehicles seem to be the most, uh, most lucrative. It made the most sense in terms of taxes, you know, you can get someone to finance 75 to 70% of your deal. You know, I don't know anybody that if I was going to open up a bakery, nobody's going to give me 75% of the capital to just start that. Um, on top of that, I, you know, you get all these great tax breaks and, uh, you know, your tenants are paying down your debt with cheap dollars. So it's, it just, it just kind of seemed to make the most sense. So I don't know if that answers your question, but you know, it was something that stuck in the back of my mind. And then when I got out of college, I uh, had always tucked away a little bit of money, but out, out here in California, right when I graduated, the market was just ridiculous. From 2002 all the way to 2006, it was just, you know, I think that's, it was nuts everywhere, but specifically in Southern California, the market was crazy. I mean, oh, people yeah. were paying ridiculous amounts of money for houses that they couldn't afford. I couldn't really get in the game. So I had just kind of put my money into a 401k and a couple of mutual funds and uh, nothing against those, you know, they're definitely for certain types of people, but I was slowly watching my wealth not accumulate. Um, and then it just happened that at that time, the market had crashed around 2007 or 2008. The bubble popped out here and everything just went, you know, houses that in certain markets out here were selling for 400,000 were selling for like under a hundred grand. I mean, it just went ridiculously the other way. And it just kind of that opportunity meets preparation I was waiting to get in. I just didn't know what to do. And uh, that's when we decided to jump in. Nice. And uh, yeah, so that's – when I say we, I'm talking about me and my wife. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was in SoCal in the early 2000s and the, uh, the, the big story that, that really jumped out at me was when I heard about a friend who was a, an agent who – uh, knew this cop who had just paid like you know one point two million dollars for a house, and I'm like, "You're a cop. Wait a second. <laughs> How are you affording a one point two million dollar house? It shouldn't, it shouldn't happen." And you know, with these crazy loans and all the nonsense, I mean, that to me was that sign that, man, th this is just chaotic. And seeing these house values just you know double and and then some out in SoCal was it was bananas. It was definitely bananas. Um, so anyway, so you and your wife, all right, you guys are stoked. The timing's perfect. You say, Hey, let's do it. We're going to go buy uh, this long-term portfolio. What, uh, what well, happened? I wish I could tell you that I had all this strategic planning. It just, first off, I couldn't buy a property because it was just too expensive. Like not fancy. I wasn't like timing it. It was just couldn't buy a house because I just couldn't qualify for the types of loans I needed to get. So when the market corrected, we were like, now it's the time to start investing, you know? So I put this huge down payment on a primary residence because of course, uh, that's an investment, right? You know? <laughs> so we dropped, I mean, a, a substantial amount of money to get into a primary home and we had a little bit left over and I thought, well, you know, maybe we can use this to buy our next investment. Um, and it just so happened we we're like at a family get together and a family friend of ours who had owned a piece of rental property out in the Inland Empire, which is, you know, about an hour, hour and a half outside of Los Angeles. He had just, he had mortgaged himself all the way to the hill. It, it was at the peak, this little 700 square foot home was worth about 400,000 in this really kind of rough part of town. 
he refinanced the whole thing. You know, he bought all these different types of toys, um, not Tonka trucks, but like, <laughs> like he <laughs> bought skis and all yeah, the fun. Yeah, he built a motorhome and all these different types of uh, boats and uh, diff- you know just different things. And I don't know where the money went, but it wasn't there. So uh, once he realized that that same property was not, you know, gonna, it was negatively cash flowing for a few years. He was just done with it. And anyway, him and I had started talking at this get together, and I had mentioned that I, you know, was interested in getting into real estate. And he just gave me this whole laundry list of how it was just a you know, terrible thing. Rental property was no good and tenants destroy your property and blah, blah, blah. But I had, you know, up until that point, I had years of always reading different books on stuff. And I had remember all the other things that I've read that was like counter to what he was telling me. But anyway, the long story short is that he said, well, I'm probably going to short sell that house. No clue what that meant, but I was like, hey, well, maybe I can buy it, whatever the short thing is. <laughs> <laughs> so we had uh, we had worked with a realtor who was going to double in the deal. So she was going to represent him as the distressed seller. So she went to the bank on his behalf and negotiated a reduced sale. Like he obviously had a crazy mortgage on the home. And in today's market or at that time, it was only worth $70,000 or seventy five, dollars um, according to what the, uh, you know, what the comps and everything were pulling. So I walked in. And I was the backup person. So she went up to the bank and said, okay, look, we need to short sell this for 70000 or 75000 Here's our buyer, which was, you know, enter me. Uh, I got the property for about $75,000. And I was freaking nervous, man. You know? Because, <laughs> you know, you read all these things online and you read books and you go to seminars and everyone always talking about cash flow. But I was like sweating bullets because, you know, up until this point, I, I had – just it was all theory, right? I didn't know anybody who had actually been doing it except for like my roommate's dad in college. So, you know, I'm sitting there and I have to write the escrow check for like 20 grand and I'm like sweating, thinking, oh my gosh, is this going to work? And, um, you know, we, we, signed, uh, we signed all the documents and then I was, I was starting to get nervous. But I knew at the very least, after I had the compound uh, account, everything, the mortgage, taxes, and insurance was going to be a little bit under $500 a month. And based on the research, which was a, a, a whopping analysis of just looking on Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way. Yeah, this is the beginning stages of my, my little investment portfolio. But I went on Craigslist and I knew that I could rent it for at least ten fifty to eleven fifty, depending on who I could get. Um, but I was all kinds of nervous and, and um, we ended up closing on the house. And um, I, you know, I got really lucky because the guy who was owner of the home before me had just gone you know, crazy on this home. He put hardwood floor in. He had uh, re- recessed lighting. And again, I told you, this is like 700 square feet home. Like you need one light in that house. That's it. <laughs> it's so small. Like you, you can be in the living room and the kitchen at the same time. It's great. Nice. Um, but, you know, he put granite countertops, brand new cabinets. I mean, this thing was like cherry, pristine condition. But, you know, I had seen all these like flip these house, you know, shows. So I, I was like, well, the front yard looks like crap. You know, I got to bet, you know, so I put seed down and installed all this sprinkler system and put a fence. Anyway, I probably went a little bit nuts on the rehab part because it was already turnkey. But um, we ended up getting a renter in there, long story short, and they rented it for, I think, $1,100. And I got to tell you, once I got that first check and I deposited into the bank account, you know, and of course, you know, you can do it at the ATM now. But uh, you know, I walked in with my crisp, uh, nice thousand dollars or eleven hundred dollar check, and I handed it to the teller, and she just looked at it like, "Okay, no big deal." For me, you know, like for me, I was like, "You don't realize you're talking to the next Donald Trump, man. This is, uh, you know, this is a guy on this way up." But um, <laughs> uh, putting that first check in there was, you know, absolutely what started the addiction. Um, I really got hooked after that. I thought, "Wow, I can't believe someone's paying me to live in something that I own," and. Um, it just that was where the whole thing fueled um, my passion for real estate, and then um, I could keep talking, but no, that was a long story long, by the way, not long story <laughs> short. <laughs> uh, all right. Hey, you asked, man. I <laughs> no, that's a great story, Arthur. That's that's awesome. I can totally resonate with that. That's one of the best feelings in the world, being able to drop off that check. So that's cool. You mentioned your mortgage. You had a mortgage of around, you know, your payment was around five hundred a month, and you're renting it for you know eleven hundred some. Uh, but I'm curious if you could talk about that mortgage, like getting that first mortgage. You know, what can you tell us about that? You know, how did you get that? Did you just go into a bank, or or what did you do to finance your first deal? 
Yeah. So, so my first deal, quote unquote, was my big investment, my home. No, yeah. <laughs> this, this is the second house that we were going to get, but you know, really, and, and most people know this on bigger pockets, but this is a kind of a good point. Getting loans one through four is actually not that hard. Typically for a single family home, you're only going to have to put about 20% down, um, maybe 25 once you get closer to that four loans. Um, so the first four were actually pretty easy. You could go to like any big bank and, and most of them will, will lend all the way up to four. Um, I didn't have to start getting creative with my financing until I got past that hump. And then once you get to 10, it's really more creative. But um, what I did for the, for the second property was we just used the same, um, the same broker we had used the first time. And um, it wasn't it wasn't too uh, too crazy. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Alone, so no, I think that's yeah. great. I think people often think that you have to be crazy and you have to be creative, but I think people forget that sometimes you can just go to a bank, drop down twenty twenty five percent, and get a loan. Like there are banks that still lend today. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you know you go to all these real estate clubs and everybody's trying to figure out how to get the owner to carry back the paper or to take on uh, the existing mortgage, you know, the subject to stuff. Which I think that's def- there's definitely a place for that. Um, but if you have a day job like I do and you're working full time and you just you don't know how to do all the ins and outs and you just want to get started, just getting a regular loans, you know, at least for the first few properties, aren't that uh, aren't that difficult. Yeah, and I think you touched on a really important point there. Uh, and we talked about this in the Ultimate Beginner's Guide that we just came out with, which uh, you can get at biggerpockets.com slash UBG. Uh, but I, we talk about how when, <laughs> <laughs> when you have a job, like there's so much power there to be able to get a mortgage. I think a lot of times people with jobs think, oh, I wish I was like that investor who doesn't have a job. But uh, you know, when you have a full-time job, there's so much more potential for getting loans and building wealth quickly because you don't have to rely on being... Um, creative necessarily. You can just rely on the power of your job to get you there. And I, I think that's, uh, that's huge. So, you know, props well, to you. Yeah. Well, and, and the other, the other component for somebody who's just getting started or who hasn't maximized their 10 loans yet is um, hard money loans expensive. Like I, we we're just closing on a property this week where I'm paying about 12% on that, which is Ooh, yeah. nice, that's right? Yeah, nice. there we go. Yeah. 12% interest on that. Um, but anyway, when you're first starting out, you know, you're getting locked, especially now, a locked fixed rate debt for 30 years at, you know, 5%, give or take. So, I mean, it, you really do have an advantage over somebody who, you know, can't get those types of loans. So, I think if you're just starting, maybe you don't have that 20% to start with. Well, partnering with somebody is a great way to maybe either lend your credit score for a percentage of the upside or, you know, work on doing a 50-50 split if you guys, you know, figure out some creative way to do that. But that, those are the types of deals we're doing now because we can't get that good financing anymore. So um, anyway, I just kind of a side note to what you were saying there, Brandon. No, that's great. All right, Arthur. Well, listen, man. I mean, so your, your focus thus far, in my understanding, is, is that you're, you're a buy and hold guy, right? You're, you're not in there flipping houses. You're, you're building a, a, a large portfolio and your goal is yes. to, to build long-term wealth via cash flow through that portfolio, correct? Yeah, that's, that's pretty much what our plan is. Okay, that's great. That's great. Now, why did you decide on that? Is, is was there a specific reason? Obviously, you're working a full time job, so flipping might be a challenge potentially, and and some of these other strategies are, are more of a challenge while you're working. Or uh, was there a specific strategy towards uh, why just the buy and hold? Right. Well, I mean, at at first, it it was like I was telling you that last story where it was just a uh, hey, this someone's going to pay me, you know. At the time, I thought cash flow was really that $500 that was going to make from what I paid in my mortgage to what I got from the rent. Oh, you forgot I, the expenses part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Once you start seeing like, hey, I got to get a new water heater. Oh, geez, there goes a whole month. But um, you know, over time, you start to see how those actually all add up. But the idea behind it was, okay, how do I create something that's going to create another stream of income without me having to be involved every day? You know, I didn't want to I didn't want to be actively working in the business, um, which is kind of funny because it actually ends up taking a, a good amount of time still. But that was the idea behind it. But I like the compound aspects of a rental property. Like I was saying before, you got the, the mortgage pay down, which you're getting through amortization. Um, you get a hedge against inflation. So your down payment has a way to just continue multiplying a lot faster than other vehicles. Um, but there's something more that I thought was really interesting, and maybe I can take this time to talk about it. Sure. The the market in Southern California, and again, this is probably just specific to California, but 
as I, you know, bought that second home, I was like, this is great. You know, we're seem to be in a real opportune time. I started really to take the time to get educated. I went to a bunch of local seminars, uh, real estate clubs in the area. And more importantly, I found like three, four, three or four really, really solid investors that were willing to, I don't want to say mentor me, but they gave me time. So I called them and I would ask them questions. And as long as I didn't take too long to ask them questions, they were pretty helpful. And what we started to see here is that in the markets like the Inland Empire or like the Central Valley, some of these outer regions, like maybe two hours outside of Los Angeles, the prices actually slingshot the other way, right? So you had that home for 400000 that should have never been priced at that point, but it slingshot the other way to 70000 which it should have never gone that low because – the cost to rebuild in that same market was around two hundred to two hundred twenty thousand dollars. So the thinking behind it, what these other investors who were really really smart were doing, and this is no credit to me, this is all them, is they were saying, well, look, if you can buy below the cost to rebuild, and you're going to get that seventy thousand dollar property, and that new construction for that same house in that same area would be around two hundred thousand. If you can cash flow it, hold on to it for however long it takes for that thing to get up to one hundred thirty, hundred forty. At that point, you can decide how you want to exit. If you want to refinance and grow your portfolio further or you know, take half of your portfolio, pay down the other half, or do a 1031, which is when you sell your property and exchange it for something with a little bit more cash flow, maybe more units. So that's what all these guys were doing. So my mindset actually changed after I bought that second home. It was instead of trying to be, okay, I'm going to own this house for 30 years, it was more like, well, we're going to use the cash flow to pay for the expenses and to hold on to this property and try to get as many of these single family homes as we can in this downturn because it, it you know California is cyclical and as we can acquire as many as we can if we could get to like 30 properties or 20 to 30 properties and let them appreciate $50,000 or you know in equity we could cash out at that mark and maybe be you know 2 million or 1.5 million in equity at that point and then we could, like I was saying, we could either pay off half of the portfolio, live off the cash flow, or take back some paper. Anyway, it was at that point we actually said, okay, wait a minute. This is not, this is not a, just a hobby that we want to do on the side. We can actually make a legitimate business out of it. So from there, we, you know, not only just cashing a rent check from that one house we had, we said, you know what? We need to do everything we can to really take advantage of this downturn in the market. So from there, we went, I mean, I talked to my wife, and she was like, uh-oh. You know, when Arthur gets his little ideas and sits down, <laughs> he's about to throw a curveball. And I said, All right, look, here's what I think we should do. And she's like, What is it? I said, We need to sell our home. You know, the big investment that I was telling you about, that first one I bought. And uh, she was like, Really? Do you think so? I said, We have money tied up in this home. We get rid of it. We live in an apartment for a few years. We can probably pick up, you know, three or four more houses just from this one, from this one sale. And she was kind of hesitant, but she's like, look, you seem to know what you're talking about, so let's give it a shot. So after we we owned the home for about a year, we put it right back up on the market. Our neighbors thought we were crazy. Our family members were like, you're completely out of your mind. What are you doing? You just bought this home. And um, you know, our real estate agent was really happy. He was the only one that was excited. Um, we sold the house. We actually got a little bit more than what we paid for it, which, you know, it wasn't intentional, but Hey, I'll count that as a successful flip. (laughs) Um, and then we went gangbusters. We were looking for every opportunity we could to buy as many of these. And it was a certain type of home. It wasn't, we weren't going to pay anything more than 50 to $80,000 in our market. And, um, we were planning on, we're going to just hold on to these properties until we could get to a point where we felt they appreciated enough to liquidate them. Um, so it was really hard because there's, there's a lot of properties in that price range at that time, but they weren't um, in good neighborhoods. So we had to really be very specific and we couldn't finance them as quickly as we wanted to because you know, my wife was working part-time. So I was the only one that could qualify for all the mortgages. So after you get your credit rung about, oh, 20 times, they, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it gets more difficult and you have to find different lenders to work with. But that's how we went. We went gangbusters and tried to buy as many as we could. And, and that's, you know, pretty much what happened after that. So, you know, it's interesting because, you know, the, as, as an investor, you don't want to be a speculator, right? But, but you yep. said something that actually uh, should resound to a lot of people. It, it certainly did to me, which is the market was underpriced and you knew the market was underpriced because the cost to rebuild was far higher than the current pr- value of the property. So um, 
you knew that if you were to acquire these properties at that value, um, that at some point they they'd hopefully appreciate. Now, I, I'm I'm just curious because in this case it worked for you. Um, but why don't we look at a place like Detroit, for example, um, where you can buy a house for you know a, a, a model car and and, <laughs> and you'll you'll you know five thousand bucks and you got you got a house. Um, certainly, it costs more than five grand to to rebuild. What was different? And what convinced you that you know this was what made that any safer than potentially uh, buying a property in in a super depressed area like that? Yeah, no, those are those are some really good points, and that's why I was trying to say that you know what I was doing or what I'm doing is really based on what has happened historically here in California. But in addition to that, let's say my complete forecast is off off track, and I'm I miss it by a long shot. And to get that fifty thousand dollars in appreciation, it takes twenty years instead of the next three or four, um, I would be completely okay with that because the way we're structuring the deals is that even if I can't get to that level within the next relative short future, you know, each of these properties are cash flowing. We have solid financing behind all of our units and we're, you know, I'm not doing this for a day job. So I'm not living off of that rental income. Um, it's just a, a, a secondary thing that we're doing on the side, you know, after hours, and um, one of my mentors is actually a, a BP member. I don't know if I can call him a mentor, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steve Landis is a guy that I you know, uh, look up to a lot out here in Southern California. And him and his uh, partner met with me a few, few months ago, and they kind of pushed it on me and said, look, at some point, you have to draw a line in the sand and make a bet where you think the market's going to go. Um, and as long as you have your deal structured correctly, you've got equity, your cash flowing, you're always going to be in a very, you know, uh, I don't know, what's the word offensive position in your in your properties. So that's how we try to strike all of our deals. Even when we do partnerships, we always try to make sure we're buying the right kinds of property. And because I'm not, you know, trying to do, you know, 50 houses a year, it it's completely scalable at least in the the, the amount that I need. Yeah. Well, and and you know, I I think as long as you're being smart about it and and acquiring these properties that do cash flow. You know, you you already talked earlier about you know, having that. Oh, wait! Expenses are more than mortgage and and taxes and insurance. You know, there's there's more to it. So obviously, factoring uh, factoring in all the expenses into your uh, equation. Uh, if you've got a cash flow at the end of the day, you know, appreciations uh, is is just yeah, you know, it's something additional, right? I mean, it's it's a bonus, and and so you know, it clearly sounds like that's that's kind of the path that you're taking. So. Um, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and to go with that point too, I mean, appreciation is like, I look at that as a, the icing on the cake, but what we have here, at least in this market in Southern California, you have a, I think that we're going to start to see the prices revert back to the cost of building and, and it's already happening. Let me give you an example. Uh, we, pr- we just purchased a home, I think about, I want to say about three months ago that we got for 59,000 and the home that's across the street, the exact same one, because the last four or five months in our market have just been ridiculous. Cash investors flooding in, hedge funds, people are paying, waiving their uh, appraisal contingencies have completely boistled, uh, you know, buoyed the properties. Now that same home was selling for 85,000 and that's just in a matter of like three months. And I'm not saying it's going to continue to grow at that pace, but you know, it's definitely going to start to get closer and closer of that cost to rebuild. So, I mean, it is appreciation, but I, I'd like to think that we're we're locking it in. Um, you know, due to the construction costs, we're just trying to factor that part into our equation as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find a home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even on the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help you get the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. 
How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes, and there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24/7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every lender loves to talk about how easy it is to get a mortgage. Then when it's time to fund your next deal, they ask for your full financials, your blood type, your mother's famous spaghetti recipe, and a map to the fountain of youth. Sound familiar? You got all that handy, right? Why not switch to a lender who actually makes qualifying for a loan easy? A lender like Host Financial. Host Financial takes the tedious tax returns, endless W-2s, and time-consuming financial requests out of the picture. Their light dock and common sense underwriting guidelines mean frictionless transactions every time. You'll even be able to use the actual or projected income of the short-term or long-term rental you're looking to purchase or pull equity out of. That's what lending built for investors looks like. So take the next step and grow your portfolio faster. Visit hostfinancial.com to request a quote in as fast as 60 seconds, which is faster than this ad. If not, it's pretty close. That's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. Again, that's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. You know, earlier you talked about how the first four deals were pretty easy to finance. Um, after four, you know, did that, did your strategy change at all in financing? I mean, it must have, you couldn't just walk into a bank, can you, or, or is that still what you do? No, no, um, not, not anymore. But, uh, what, one of the things we started to learn, right, is after that third, we got the third deal and the fourth deal. Well, as we start to get number deal number three, deal number four, deal number five, deal number six, as we started getting higher, I started to learn the difference between a broker and a lend- direct lender. And that was kind of an eye-opening experience because when we were working with the broker, the underwriting guidelines while we were in escrow, I can't tell you how many deals I almost lost. I was so upset because we'd have like a smoking deal with like a lot of equity and it was in a good neighborhood. And then our lender couldn't follow up because they were, you know, outsourcing all the underwriting. And I, here I was, you know, standing there trying to close to get this deal and I knew if we couldn't close in 30 days, we were going to lose it. So um, what that caused me to do is to go back and, you know, this is one of the things I do now with anybody who wants to work with me, like a mentor type thing, or I always tell them to put a list together of all the lenders in their market and to just go down the list and try to learn as much as you can about the financing aspect of the deal. Um, so you can understand the underwriting guidelines right from the beginning, because there's all these overlays that each of the lenders require. And uh, some of them are a lot more lax and some of them are more detailed. So knowing what those perimeters are before you get to that point is super helpful. Um, Anyway, so going back to me, that's exactly what I did after about our fourth uh, mortgage. I was like, okay, 
who are the people we can build a relationship with. And I found a couple of uh, lenders that were not only willing to just lend me money after that fourth or fifth property, but they were willing to help me move my financing around to kind of give me coaching to say, okay, here's where, here's how you need to move your money here. Here's how you can finance this deal so that I could get to those 10, to, to those 10 loans as, as quickly as possible. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah. Do you have any yeah. advice for finding those lenders? Yeah, actually, uh, you know, I think, well, my, uh, super creative way of finding out the lenders in my market was I literally typed in like Inland Empire, uh, direct lenders, mortgage brokers, and then the list on Google <laughs> and whatever popped up, I put like in an Excel spreadsheet and I'm not kidding you. I, I probably called about 40 different, um, loan officers and I talked to everybody from hard money guys to, you know, guys who are just, uh, you know, working at a community bank, um, all these, all these different aspects, because, you know, you don't know where those rat, those, uh, not rat holes, <laughs> you don't know where, you don't know where those rabbit holes, uh, there could be rats, in there. <laughs> but you don't know how far they're going to go. And, and, and I'll give you a good example. Uh, one of the folks that I spoke with had, uh, it was this community bank and he gave me the address and he said, I think we can, I think we can work with you. And, uh, I said, okay, well I'll go out and meet you. And he said, I think we, we can't give you a mortgage, but we can give you a home equity line of credit. Okay, great. So I drive out to go meet him. And then I like drive up to this Walmart. And I'm like, Walmart? I gotta have the address for now. The address is right. So I walk in, and of course, you got the whole uh, colorful uh, <laughs> landscape that Walmart offers, you know, people with ponytails and rat tails, <laughs> little children running around with no shoes, you know. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so I go there, and I'm thinking, this is crazy. But right in the middle of the Walmart, there was this little community bank. And uh, I walked in, I talked to the branch manager and um, I bring in a, like, you know, I was wearing, it was funny because I walked into Walmart wearing like a suit and because uh, <laughs> I wanted to be like professional and then everyone Walmart, no one was wearing shoes, you know, it was kind of, <laughs> but I go in there and um, <laughs> if you get sued by uh, Walmart. I, I, I was going to say, if Walmart decides to be an advertiser, we'll just, just, like just yeah, exactly. It'll just be like blank at that point. I do not <laughs> condone Arthur's uh, activities nor his commentary about Walmart. We uh, we certainly appreciate Walmart as a centerpiece of the community, and uh, clearly, when you walk into Walmart, there is a shoes only policy. So. Be sure to show up at Walmart with shoes. Thank you. You can show up with shoes. You don't have to have teeth, though. But anyway, um, <laughs> anyway so I, I, I walked in and I talked to the branch manager. We start talking. I spent about a good hour and a half with him. And he tells me that he can extend out four different lines of credit to one person. So I thought, well, that's there's four extra loans for me right there. And then he goes, but this is another thing about working with us. Once you build a relationship, I'm going to introduce you to Dale. So he brings Dale over. Dale's the portfolio manager. So he actually does these rare things that you hear about. You know, it's like uh, the chupacabra, you know, like you hear about portfolio <laughs> loans, but you know, it's hard to find them. And uh, this guy comes out and he, he does portfolio loans. So this one bank literally opened up 14 different opportunities for me to continue making wow. purchases. Nice. Nice. So that's anyway, awesome. so that's how I did it, Brandon. I set up a list and then not, you know, not being afraid to just call everybody. And a lot of them say the same things, but every once in a while, you're going to find somebody who has lax uh, overlays or is willing to kind of say, here's how, here's how you could do it if you still want to do this, you know? Yeah, and they may be in a Walmart. They may be in a Walmart. <laughs> may not have teeth, but they're there. No. <laughs> no, that's really, really good advice. I mean, I think people oftentimes, you know, they'll call one lender or two lenders and that's it. You know, they're like, oh, they're all the same. But I've always found that yeah, um, you know, some lenders are just are really, really good, even though they have the same rules. I mean, most most banks have the same rules and the same guidelines. Um, but the, the actual banker that you work with or the lender you work with oftentimes can find creative ways and not even like not not illegal, not immoral. I mean, just creative ways to make things happen. And oh, yeah, you know, we have this portfolio loan or whatever, you know. Uh, so I think that's a great tip. Yeah. Well, let me give you let me give you another little tip here, something you wouldn't find necessarily in a a forum post. Um, and, uh, one person from my, I, I wrote an article for BP a couple of weeks ago about, um, how to, how to do this. And one of the guys called me and he was like, look, there's no way to do this. You know, you, once you get 10 loans, it's impossible. And I said, well, who's buying the properties? And so, well, it's, it's me and my wife. And I said, okay, does she have a W2 job? Said, yeah. And I said, are the loans in both of your names? Yes. I said, well, why don't you go back to the same loan person that you're working with and have 
each of you qualify for the loans because you just because both of you are on title, it doesn't mean that you have to both take out the debt. So one couple can literally get 20 Fannie Mae loans if they're buying the right types of property because if you're cash flow positive – and you're working with the right lender, they can use that cash flow to basically count the, the extra debt you're incurring. So literally, if you find you know one bank and they're willing to work with you, you can do 20 loans and eight home equity lines of credit. So that's 28 loans. That, that'll definitely get you to where you're wanting to go at least. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Great advice. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Cool, man. Well, let's, let's, let's get back to the, the job thing. You've got, yeah. a, yes. you've got a J-O-B and uh, you know, you, you – uh, you work during the week. Um, how do you actually, you particularly, Arthur, um, how do you invest while you're working? How do you manage tenant calls? How do you manage you know, finding deals? When are you working? When are you doing your, uh, your real estate? Yeah, um, so having the J-O-B, you know, working for the man. <laughs> um, does the, he have teeth? Yes, he does. Have <laughs> teeth. He has teeth. And he has a checkbook too, which is why nice. I like him. Um, the, the thing is, is that, you know, the first year we got started, you know, we had all these units that we we're just starting to acquire. And when you have like two properties or three properties or four, it's, it's, it, you could still manage it doing both. But once, once we started getting people starting to pay late and tenants who had, you know, their mom was sick or you had to go and try to evict them, you know, it, my market's two hours from where I live. Um, and that was mostly just because those are the only places where the numbers make sense in Southern California. Sure. So for me to go out there and post a three-day notice or to try to evict someone, it, it's just I'm wasting a lot of gas. I'm wasting a lot of time. And um, I remember going to my tenant one day. It's this lady, who, nice lady, but speaks you know really broken English. And she's salt of the earth, but she's taking care of her sick mother. So I go there and knock on the door. She opens the door and her mom is just like sitting there in the living room. She's got no shirt on and she's like kind of sedated <laughs> oh, and she's like 90 years old. And, and like, she, I don't know if she didn't know that I was like, you know, that her mom was exposed. And I just said, you know what, <laughs> after seeing that, which no one should ever have to see, it's just, you know, there's a reason uh, we just, yeah, we should not do this. <laughs> after that happened, I pretty much um, figured out we have to find a way to scale this. And um, for me, it was, it was um, reading a couple of posts by Michael Zuber, who's a, He's an awesome contributor to the BP blog, and he's somebody that I would uh, I would like to call my mentor, even though uh, you know I don't necessarily talk to him on the weekly basis or anything. But he's provided a lot of guidance, and um, one of the things he had told me early on was that you know property management for him, because he's in a similar industry as I am, it's just the cost of doing business. So that was really the biggest change for me after that first year was moving over to property management. Um, they don't manage the properties as good as I used to. I'll be the first to admit it, and they don't take care of it as well as you would. But it's 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 the it's the opportunity cost that I'm giving up by not managing the situation myself. So um, I just look at it as sunk costs. When I when I find a deal, I just have to find a a deal with that much more meat on the bone because I got another mouth to pay for. So you know that's how we do it. So that's one component: property management. The other component is um, we have a really good contractor in our market who, you know, when he overcharges me on a few things, I kind of let him know, hey, you're overcharging me, but, you know, I want you to know that I'm, I'm going to let this one go because I want them to understand that, like, there's a value here. There's relationships that we're trying to build. And uh, I'll give you an example. With that same guy, we were buying a house about two weeks ago, and he looked at two properties for me came back, called me in about half hour after he walked through those properties and said, this one's going to cost 12 grand. It's in a better neighborhood, but this one that's going to cost you, you know, five grand to rehab. It's, it's in a worse neighborhood, but you can get in cheaper. So I would go with that one. And, you know, not having to drive out there, not having to do a detailed inspection on the whole thing. He's worked with me on all the properties we own and he does all the maintenance on my stuff. So it, it just, you know, you need to find ways to build systems. And that's, that's pretty much what we spent the last three and a half years doing is building systems while working with local realtors and making connections so that we start to really know our market and uh, have people doing a lot of the work uh, for us so we're just more managing things. And uh, one more side tip is we work with contractors that only work with us on email. They'll take phone calls and stuff too, but there's a lot of these handyman guys that just don't do email. And just at a sure simplicity for my life, it's just easier to have somebody who works with me in email. You know, and I just, that was kind of one of the big changes because a lot of times they'll just give you a quote over the phone or they'll text you and it's just, you know, that helped me a lot. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good tip. I, I think, um, 
you know, the, the, uh, finding somebody who will work the way you work is, is really, really important. And, and you've demonstrated that. Can you talk, talk a little bit about, uh, uh, property management and, and this contractor, uh, as far as management, you know, it, it's definitely true. It's hard to find somebody who's going to manage a property as well as you would if, uh, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to put the love behind it, so to speak. Um, but how did you find your property manager and, um, you know, do you have any tips for, for other folks who are looking for somebody because you put a lot of trust in these guys. So, you know, what would your advice be? Yeah, the, uh, I guess I guess the thing for me is I'm still looking for that uh, that, <laughs> that, that great property manager. So maybe someone can call me. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we we um, me and a, another investor friend of mine who are buying in the same market. Um, you know, I took a list of ten people. He took a list of ten people, and we just kept calling different folks. Figured out what their placement fees were, how much they hold. You know, to to manage the property on the monthly basis. Do they charge for you know sending somebody out to the property? Because a lot of times they'll send a handyman out there and they'll mark it up 20% and they get to keep that spread. Um, so there's all these different things that we did. Um, we called all these different folks and there was one guy in town that was kind of a, oh, at the time he was a smaller operation. Now he's kind of blown up. But uh, between my, my investor buddy and myself, we kind of leveraged him and said, look, if you'll work with us, um, if you'll waive your placement fee and if you'll lower your monthly rate down, um, you know, will you consider working with us? And the idea of getting all these properties at once just made him salivate. So he was completely on board. So now we pay, I think, $70 a home to have him manage it. So it's not, it's not a percentage on our rent. It's just, that's what he charges. He doesn't charge a placement fee. And as far as the contractors go, he lets us use our own people and they, they let, you know, he, he'll actually pay it. So they'll, they'll bill the, the management company directly, but there's no, I mean, I'll be honest with you. There's no great way because He's not the only guy I use. I used about three different ones and I'm still trying to find new people who will, you know, because it's, it's a tough business because you, you know, you get somebody who you really like and then they end up doing something different because it's typically that it's usually run out of some office where they're an assistant. They're not really a property manager. So you really have to try to, you know, find someone that you're going to be okay with and comfortable with and then just go with the expectation of knowing you still have to be actively managing your property. Even if that means like, all right, did we place the tenant? Okay. You know, every time I go in my market, I still drive through all the homes that we have and just to say, okay, well, this one needs the fence is falling down. Uh, we need to, you know, trim that tree back. So I'm still really involved. The thing I don't want to have to do is I don't want to be driving there seeing someone's mom naked on the, on the living room couch. You know what I mean? <laughs> So, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's, that's really what it is. And honestly, some are better than others, but it's, it's just a matter of interviewing them and kind of rolling the dice to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had some really, really bad luck with, with property managers and, you know, the biggest piece of advice that I've got is, you know, you know, you, you, you keep an eye on your property manager. You definitely want to, want to watch what they're doing. Like you said, I mean, you, you might have a property manager, you you go by the property and the fence is falling down. Where the hell were the property? Where were they? What were they doing? You know, that is their job, but you know, they're not going to, they're not going to catch all that. You know, the, the attention to detail, it's, it's, I've, ne- I have, I've never heard somebody say, Hey, I've got the greatest property manager ever. You'll never hear that coming out of the mouth of a real estate investor. And, <laughs> and it's, it's really messed up. I mean, that's something that people should be priding their, themselves upon. But, uh, yeah, just keep an eye out for these guys and, you know, watch what they're doing. And, and I think if you're doing that, uh, then, you know, you, you can be a little more comfortable because like you said, you don't want to walk in and, and, you know, put the three day notices and deal with the naked grandmas and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing people are going to remember from this, uh, this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> people with no teeth and some naked ladies. <laughs> this is bigger pockets. <laughs> Podcast show six with Arthur Garcia, biggerpockets.com slash show six. This is the naked grandma episode of the podcast. <laughs> there you Tune go. in. Tune in. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Well, um, we're starting to get towards the end of this uh this show. So it, it, can we talk a little bit about um what a ge- good deal looks like for you and 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 your method of of analyzing uh those deals? Okay. No long stories. I'll try to give some meat here so that uh so when I first started, for me, it was a 20% cash on cash return. That's what I was looking for. That's what I was happy with. And that is, you know, for the long, for people who maybe don't know what that is, that's when you get a percentage of your money back on the yearly basis, that's about 
of what you put into the property to get the home. So, you know, I don't know. I can't think of quick math, but it's when you get about 20% back from what you put down. Invest 100,000, get 20,000 back. There we go. Okay, is that quick? Yeah. Is that fast? There we go. I was like, <laughs> yeah. So Look at Mr. Math over there. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mr. Math. <laughs> so that was how we first started. And then as I got better, um, well, I had to get better at buying property because like I said, when you first start off getting, you know, getting a 30 year fixed mortgage at 4%, it's going to be pretty easy to get 20% on your money. It should be anyway, if you're buying the right kind of house. Once you have to put 30% down or now I'm, you know, sometimes I have to put all cash to get homes. You got to really find other ways to do it. So the new matrix I have is I'll carry a property for 10% cash on cash. If I can get 90% or 80% of my capital back out within the first six to 14 months of ownership of that property. So I may carry a property in cash flow, you know, maybe a few hundred dollars a month. And then in six months, refinance it via a HELOC. And now my, you know, initial capital is mostly pulled back out of it. And I maybe have 10,000 in the deal and I'm still bringing in, you know, $500 a month or something like that, or $400 a month. And uh, now I have my working capital to go back and, you know, deploy to do, do another deal. Now, how do you be careful? How do you, how do you uh, make sure that you're not spreading yourself too thin? Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Um, I think a lot of it comes from planning. And I think the biggest thing is, is cash reserves. Um, one of the things that a lot of people talk to me about sometimes, they'll email me and I want to get into real estate and all this stuff. And I said, well, if you want to do buy and hold, you need a little bit of cash. I'm not, I'm not going to be the guy here telling you you can buy with no money down. Like I, there's ways to do that, but you know, you're going to be making almost no cash flow on those types of deals. Or there's a reason the guy's giving you the property for no money down. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm a big advocate. If you got to have ample cash reserves, maybe either not, doesn't all have to necessarily be sitting in your bank. You might want to have a home equity line of credit. That's not fully tapped out. That's got money sitting in there, or you just have to be prepared for the worst. And um, like I said, every property we get, if I can't refinance out of it, I'm okay with that. Like if I have to sit on this property for five years or 10 years, only making this amount of money, I'm okay with that because there's typically something I can do to the property to manipulate the value down the road or I have a strong equity position in it. Like, you know, maybe I can enclose that patio and make that a third bedroom or, you know, add an extra bath or enclose the garage. So there's usually a couple of ways to get out of it, but you do have to be careful because if you start to scale a little too fast, you can get kind of paint yourself in a corner. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree completely. I think one thing you said there that's really, really important for people to know is about having multiple exit strategies. You know, you said you'd be happy if, if, you know, one thing happened, you'd be happy if another thing happened. And I think that's key right there is you, you can't have one, one way out of a situation. And that's the, that's the downside of using a hard money lender. You know, a lot of people jump into hard money and they say, um, you know, well, I got a year, or I got six months to, to sell this. So no worries. And, uh, that doesn't always work out that way. I know that's happened to me and I know it happens to a lot of investors. Sometimes the property doesn't sell or sometimes you can't get the refi that you want and uh, you got to have that exit strategy. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. You got to, you got to know, you got to know exactly what you're looking for and make sure that there's each property you get, like there's another way to add value or you're buying under market or you can do something to manipulate the price. So yeah, that's a great point. Nice. Nice. All right, man. Well, listen, as, as we come to a close here, we always, always have a, uh, a set of questions we like to ask, and and I guess we'll we'll start with with uh, you know what's your what's your favorite real estate book, Arthur? Okay, I came prepared for this one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's been listening to the show and has no. Yes, so I'm going to say something like the E Myth. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's like everybody said that one. I just uh, bought that. I, actually... <laughs> I, I now have it. Welcome. I yeah. actually, I actually was uh, previewing it on on the Kindle myself the nice. other day, so that's pretty fun. There's this, there's this really good book called Rich Dad Poor Dad, guys. You should check that <laughs> one out too. I've never heard that's of that. <laughs> no, it's actually a good book. But um, the one I would say for someone who's wanting to invest in as a buy and hold person and keep their day job, it's uh, it's by William T. Nickerson. How I uh, turned one one thousand to three million while holding a full time, or in my spare time, I think it's something like that. I'll send you the link on it, but yeah, it's it's how do we, you know how I invested one thousand and it became yeah. I just I just read that a couple of weeks ago. It was really good, and I actually just sent it in the mail over to another bigger pockets member because that book's expensive, and uh, you know like it's been out of commission for a long time. But 
it's a really, really good book. Yeah, that's that's a great one. So I, I really like that book. Nice, nice. All right. Well, then I don't have to ask the next question. What's the next question, Arthur? My favorite business book? Well, that's there exactly you. what I was going <laughs> to hey, say. Hey, hey, yeah. See, you know, I may not be sharp on my numbers, but I know what questions are. Um, 10%. This, exactly. To add value to the viewers, the listeners here, I thought I'd uh, bring one in that no one's brought, about, uh, brought up yet. My friend Nicole actually mentioned this one to me. It's uh, by Mark Cuban. It's How to Win at the Sport of Business. And I've just been reading that book and it, it you know, it's, it's kind of a motivational, I really like Mark Cuban. I think he's like pretty sharp on oh, stuff. Oh yeah, big fan. But uh, yeah, it's, so it's actually a series of blog posts from his blog and he just kind of put them in one book. Um, bigger pockets should do something like that. Uh, <laughs> kind of like the you know, ultimate and, beginner's guide. Uh, Biggerpockets.com slash UBG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that book is solid. Both of them, by the way. The one by Mark Cuban and by Brandon Turner. Both are really good. Uh, <laughs> and Josh. I, and Josh. Well, yeah, of course, Josh. <laughs> you know, yeah. I take umbrage at the fact that I, I get no credit on a book that I was, you know, a, a part and parcel to. So. <laughs> okay, by Joshua Dorkin and Brandon Turner. Another good book. Right up there. With- there you go. There All go. right. Yes. And, and speaking of Mark Cuban, we would love to have you on the show, Mark, if you're listening, by the way. There we go. Yeah, um, go Mavericks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So, so – you know, you're you're a SoCal guy. You got any hobbies? Are you you surfer or what? You know, what what do you do for fun? Long walks on the beach at night in the twilight. <laughs> yep, that's always a popular one out here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, I I just got into working out now. I'm I'm a big CrossFit guy, so I do that on my uh, spare time. Yeah. So you could do CrossFit while uh, while Brandon's doing his P90X. You guys can do it over Skype <laughs> or something. <laughs> that's that's insanity. Uh, P90X was so last year. <laughs> all right last question yeah. for you arthur me and brandon will watch each other work out <laughs> yeah, <they're... laughs> all right last question arthur i ask this to everyone because i love this question what do you believe sets apart the top performers the ones that are successful and those who come and go quickly oh there we go you ready for it i'm ready the art uh, this is this is a Joshua Dorkin term here. The art of the side hustle. I think. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think that's I think that's the big differentiator because you know what? Um, it's like anything. Real estate's like any other business, any other thing in life. The people who get the best results are the ones who put the time in. Um, so whether that's going to a few seminars or you know taking the time to call a couple of investors, it's good stuff. So I would just say the people who go that extra mile, knock on strange doors to try to get information that you need to make your business more sound so yeah oh, that's great man that's great well listen everybody you can find arthur on bigger pockets uh we'll have uh we'll have his uh link to his his profile in the show notes again uh for those of you who are uh paying attention to those show notes it's biggerpockets.com slash show six uh otherwise uh, where else are you are you on facebook you're on twitter g plus are you uh you know where else can people connect with you you know, I have a blog, uh, thebuyandholdguys.com. That's right, you do. Thebuyandholdguys.com. It's a great blog, by the way. I Yeah, you can go there or you can find me on Bigger Pockets. So, either one. Yeah, cool. Listen, listen, this was great. Uh, lots of fun and uh, really appreciate having you on the show. I think, uh, I think people are definitely going to learn a lot from uh, what you had to say. So, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. It was great having uh, this conversation. It was fun. Yeah, it Pleasure. was fun. Thank you, Arthur. You guys, take care. All right, everybody, and that was our show with real estate investor Arthur Garcia. Uh, As we've said a couple times before, this has been show number six, and you can check out all the links and additional information uh, on the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show six. It's kind of hard to keep focus as Brandon is making faces at me through the other side of Skype, but I'm going to keep going. Before we go, uh, we just want to say thanks to all the great reviews again on iTunes. And uh, if you haven't left one, please do so in your iTunes player. Also, don't forget to uh, check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash biggerpockets. This is Josh Dorkin signing off. The views expressed in this podcast by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of Bigger Pockets Incorporated. Please do not take offense if you are a 90-year-old naked woman, shoeless, or missing teeth. You're still welcome on biggerpockets.com. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. 
If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the Bigger Pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.